Hello everyone, I hope that this finds you well in these very unusual and ever-changing circumstances that we find ourselves in. Today, we're launching a three-week sermon series in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we're going to come to God's Word to receive from it God's comfort, a God-given hope, and the certainty that God alone promises for our lives. In fact, those are the three subjects that we are going to look at over these next three weeks. Comfort, hope, and certainty. So if you are new to church, or maybe you're even new to this whole Christianity thing, then we hope that these three weeks are going to really help you to better understand what it is that we Christians believe, and why it is that we have comfort, hope, and certainty in these troubled and unsure times. And we'd love you to come along for the journey over these next three weeks. It's our hope that we as Christ followers will also freshly take our stand and build on the firm foundation of His promises through His Word to us. We know that God wants to speak to us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus uses a powerful analogy about building the houses of our life on the rock of His Word. Now granted, I fear that this analogy has lost some of its potency by being made into a number of cute little kiddie songs about building your house on the sandy land and those kinds of things. But the point of Jesus' story is way more powerful than that because Jesus actually says that anyone who hears his words and puts them into practice is a wise person, like someone who builds the house of their lives on a rock, a firm foundation. Their dreams and aspirations, their relationships, their securities, their marriage, their confidence, all built on the firm and unmoving foundation of God's word. Jesus says, if you don't build those things, build on those things, uh, on God's word, then it's like you have built the house of your life on the sand, an unstable foundation. And then he says, when the rain comes, referring to the hard times, just like these hard times that we're experiencing right now, it's then that we really get to see what kind of foundation the house of our lives truly has. And pastorally, that makes me wonder, as you feel the wind and the rains of these corona times and the failing economy and the relational separation that we are all experiencing beating on the side of the house of your life, your marriage, your securities, I I wonder how are they faring in these times? Are they standing firm because they are built on the rock and the truth of God's word? Well, Jesus doesn't say those words in judgment of us. He actually says them by way of invitation to us. He wants us to be those who take his word seriously and build the houses of our lives, our dreams, our securities, our marriages, and so much more upon the firm foundation of his word. It's a plumb line of truth in our world. It's a waterfall of grace to our lives. And it's the lamp to our path, even through these tough times. So let's do that now. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 together and let's let God's word coach our hearts, minds and lives at this time. The context for this passage is that the Apostle Paul had planted this church in Corinth in AD 50 and now it's some six years later. He's come and gone to visit them a few times. 
And now he's writing back to them from one of the Macedonian churches in one of those cities. And and it seems that they are going through hard times, kind of like we are going through in this time. So let's read the first seven verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the awe of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What a great passage of scripture. It seems clear that Paul is reassuring the church of Corinth, as I believe Christ, the head of the church, is wanting to reassure us today along three specific lines. That firstly, God is a God of comfort. Secondly, that God comforts us personally. And not just for us. The third point is that he comforts us so that we can comfort others. And straight after Paul's initial greetings, you can see how the text starts with that very first point. That God is a God of comfort. See, both of the titles mentioned here are jam-packed with significance. We can see in the verses, God our Father. God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. God our Father speaks of intimate relationship and Lord speaks of sovereign leadership. Both very comforting realities about who our God is. And in verse 3, it sums it up so pretty and so, uh, so fully when it says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. God is a God of comfort. In the New Testament, we see Jesus looking out over the city And over the city of Jerusalem, and he says, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. In the Old Testament, we also see that God is a comforter in a number of different places. In fact, one morning during the lockdown, I found myself waking up with Isaiah 40. Uh, The passage of Scripture just pressed so on my heart. And to be honest, I couldn't remember what it was uh, all about because I'm not really a Bible addresses guy, right? But I just knew it was one of those big famous uh, passages. And so I jumped into it. And of course, as I read it, then I remembered the famous crescendo. They that wait upon the Lord, He will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But do you know how that chapter starts? I didn't. It starts with these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. See, God is a God of comfort. Old Testament and new. It flows out of the overflowing of His love and His triune nature. A Godhead of relationship and joy and goodness. 
that overflows towards us. We all know that our afflictions come from many different sources. But if you've walked with God for any amount of time, you'll also know that real comfort in every kind of affliction truly only comes from God alone. Not financial security, that would be nice, but we've seen that's a little bit fleeting, right? Not the presence of people in our lives, even though we miss that. It doesn't fill all the gaps in our lives, not even our freedoms and independence, even though we love those too. They true can be, they too can be taken away in a, any moment, really. I recently heard another pastor say it like this. He said, yes, in many ways, we have lost what was. And in many ways, we don't know what will be. But the good news is that we do have the one who is. God is still who he is. So even when we are weak in our circumstances, We can be strong in who he is, strong in his character. Verse 3 again, God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. Isn't that good news for us in these times? Secondly then today, he is not only a God of comfort, but God comforts us personally. We're going to spend a little bit more time on this point today because I'm not sure how you have experienced the season and all the changes. But one thing that I've noticed through this lockdown period is that everyone processes differently and often at very different times. See, Kate, my wife, she had tears in the first few days as things changed and got turned upside down and we got taken into lockdown, right? I seemed to charge on for about two weeks. And then in a moment, unexpectedly, I just had the, bl- the blues for two days. And I struggled even to figure out as a guy what I was feeling. And it took about two days to realize that I was feeling my other emotion, sadness. And I'm sure that all of you can recount your story of how you've had highs and lows over the last many weeks. We all have, right? But here's the dangerous thing. I think that sometimes we can mistake our sadness and our need for lament and running to God, which is a good thing. Rigby spoke to us about that last week so powerfully. We can sometimes get that mistaken with a not so good thing, which is a faith crisis. See, I love the way Carrie Newhoff speaks about this. He says that if you put your faith in what you get from God, then in troubled times like these, then you will very quickly realize that you are not just in troubled times, but you're also in a spiritual crisis. Because we all know that one of the things that gets lost and that falls away in a global pandemic like this is a simplistic version of Christianity that unfortunately many people seem to cling to, a belief that God is here to pain-proof our lives. Or that things should always just be getting better when you are with Jesus, right? Hashtag so blessed. Now, we realize very quickly that Corona doesn't discriminate. Pain and suffering in this life are real. In fact, Jesus promised that they would be, that they would happen in this life. We will have trouble, he said. But the difference between a false simplistic gospel of Jesus, my genie in the lamp, and the true gospel of the Jesus of Golgotha is not that he spares us from pain, but that God knows a thing or two about pain and that he personally meets us in our pain. That he brings grace and peace to you, as verse 2 tells us. He does it personally. 
Now, we know that this verse is actually speaking about a plural you there, meaning the church in Corinth, together with all the holy people throughout Acacia, that's what it says right there in the verse. But we also know that the intimate terms of Father we see in these verses tell us this is a grace and a peace that is specific, personal, and pointed directly to you and me personally. God comforts us personally. Whenever it is that you have your moments, even if it feels like your whole week was just one big moment, God is on hand to comfort you personally. And I've loved how during this lockdown period of having more time at home with the kids, how I've seen them loving, having more access to me daily as their father. And through it, I think I've glimpsed something of the heart of the father for us. See, I think he loves it when we run to him for comfort and care. Not because he is needy within himself or trying to fill some personal deficit. No, just because he loves to comfort us, his children. Now, I know that that story is completely lost on all of those of you who have teenagers right now. You don't know what I'm talking about. Kids running up to you wanting to spend quality time with you, right? Well, as I was preparing this, I was thinking... I'm pretty sure that that's how God feels about us some of the time too. Wondering when we're going to come out of our bedrooms and spend some time. Wondering if we have anything meaningful to say today. Or if it's just going to be the usual grumbles and complaints. See, the reality is when I thought about that, I thought, you know what? Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm sometimes like God's teenage kid. One of the gifts of any hard time in our lives, like these hard Corona days, is that it draws us back to God, to our need for Him. John Piper says this powerfully. He says, at the bottom of even the most mature heart is the sediment of self-reliance. The sediment of self-reliance, which obviously God wants to work out of our lives, right? But here's the cool thing about God. He is always there for us. As a father, I run out of steam. Sometimes I need to just shut the door on the family and call a retreat. As a pastor, I often don't get to the people who need care or I get there too late. At times I felt powerless during this lockdown to be there for people. But that's not God. God is always there for us. He is limited I mean, limitless in his capacity. He is perfect in his love and comfort. And how does he comfort us? How does he comfort us? Well, we see, uh, not in this text here today, but we see some three at least very important ways that he comforts us. Firstly, he comforts us through his presence. One of the names of the Holy Spirit is comforter. No matter where you are or how isolated you may find yourself in this time, God is with you. Why not invite the Spirit to freshly be your comforter in this time? Secondly, God comforts us through His Word. Even now as we're working through this passage of Scripture, we are being comforted. Personally, I've been working through the Psalms throughout this last season and what a great comfort we find in the Psalms. Allowing the word of God to coach my heart and mind and give expression to my feelings. See, David's freedom and his grapplings with God seem to give me more freedom in my grappling with God. And through these times, I've been been able to be more honest with God and speak to him. 
It's comforting to remind ourselves of things that we should not forget. And the God of word, the word of God does that for us. And then obviously, a third way that God comforts us, the one we're missing most at this time most probably, is that God comforts us through his people. We see Paul's affection for these people. He wants to comfort them and reassure them. I'm guessing that Paul took some time uh, uh, to appreciate Timothy here because he appreciated the comfort of teaming with him on mission. And obviously our whole big third point that we're going to be speaking about in just a minute is about receiving this comfort so that we can comfort others. We're going to get there in just a second. But firstly, maybe it's good for me to point out and for us to realize the strength of this word comfort that we're dealing with here today. Because I think for most of us, the word comfort may refer to kind of emotional relief or a sense of well-being, physical ease, satisfaction and freedom from pain and anxiety. And in that way, it's true that many of us in our culture today, we worship the idol of comfort. In many ways, we chase after the good life that will provide that kind of comfort to us. But did you know that the Latin root word for comfort is actually fortis, which means strength and courage and bravery. It's so good for us to realize that the comfort that Paul has in mind has nothing to do just with the dulling of our pains. Rather, Paul is speaking of a stiffening agent that fortifies in our hearts and our minds and in our soul. One commentator says it so beautifully. He said it like this. God's comfort strengthens weak knees, sustains sagging spirits, so that one faces the troubles of life with unbending resolve and unending assurance. See, God may not always move away the afflictions that we experience, but He always gives us the fortitude and the capacity to move through us, move through them. He wants us to receive His strength according to our needs. In other words, the greater the affliction, the greater the comfort that we will receive from God. And He will fortify us to get us through. That's what Paul is saying in these words. And there's an interesting paradoxical element to these verses here as Paul points out about the upside down, inside out realities of the gospel of Jesus. See, one of the things happening in this letter to the Corinthians is that Paul is actually needing to defend the authenticity of his followership of Jesus and the fact that he's a true apostle to those people there in Corinth because some other false teachers had kind of come in and they'd said, oh, but how can Paul be of God? Look how he's suffering. Surely God's not with him. What we see Paul pointing out here is that they are wrong in their calculations. Surely if Jesus suffered and even died, then it's in this place of suffering that Paul most identifies with following Jesus. I love the way that one of the commentators puts it when he says this. He says, in response to such doubts, Paul asserts that he shares the same divinely ordained paradox that constituted the life and destiny of Jesus. Comfort from suffering, life from death, strength from weakness, and wisdom from foolishness. As Christ lives by God's power, who raised him from the dead, so does Paul. And Paul is saying, so do we. It's in our weakness that we are strong. It's in the way we suffer that Christ's light shines through into 
the darkness. See, because God is our comforter and strengthener, He personally and powerfully strengthens us. And that strengthening should become apparent to others too. Which takes us to our third and final point for today from this passage. And that's this, that God's comfort is not intended to stop with us. God's comfort is not intended to stop with us. Listen to those verses again. Verse 4, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Verse 6b then carries on and it says the following, For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Paul is saying that it's only when we receive the fortifying and strengthening of God that we are able to really pass that on to others so that they too can push through and patiently endure. Just like when in the airplane you hear those classic words, in the unlikely event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, oxygen masks will drop down from the panel above your head. Please secure your own mask before helping others. Why do you think it says that? Well, it's because you can't properly help others unless you first receive the help that you need to be strong enough to look beyond yourself. God's comfort is not intended to stop with us. God always gives a surplus of strength to us so that we can overflow with that strength to others. Personally, last couple of weeks, I was really comforted by Bruce, one of our congregation leaders from the Durbanville congregation. And he sent me a voice note to say that he'd been praying for me and that he felt that he had a word for me. And just the fact that he was praying for me was a comfort in itself. But then he shared this word with me and I was so personally comforted and strengthened and encouraged. But straight away, I felt like this wasn't just for me, but I shared it with some of the congregation leaders. And then as I was preparing for today, I again was reminded of it. And I felt that this is not just for us either, for me, for the congregation leaders. I believe it's for all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ in this season. And here's the word that Bruce shared. He said he was reminded of the woman in the Old Testament whose jars just kept on being filled as she poured out her oil. And he said he was reminded in the New Testament of the baskets full of bread that the disciples collected for themselves when they had finished feeding the 5,000. And Bruce said that he felt that these two pictures spoke of being filled while pouring out and feasting while feeding. The promise that God is all sufficient and that even as we give ourselves, we give of ourselves, we would be filled and that we would feast even as we seek to feed others. Maybe this is for you this morning. In fact, I believe it's for all of us. May we be poured out and may others be fed through this time because we are comforted in God and we are giving ourselves to comfort others. Filled and feasting. Benjamin Jowlett, he said it so powerfully. He said, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters. And he was an Oxford theologian. God wants to make us comforters. Maybe you want to pause now for a moment. Is there someone that you can think of that would today benefit from your encouragement? Just think about that for a moment. What do you think that God would want to say to them now? 
How do you think you can personally encourage them? I want you to hold on to those thoughts. Think about that person and hold that for a moment. Don't get onto your phone right now. I'm going to lose you. Maybe you want to take something close to you that's obvious uh, and put it out of place so that later when you come to straighten it, you'll remember to, to encourage that person and move towards them. God wants us to feed and pour out to others. More than that, I believe Paul is actually identifying here that suffering is in fact used by God to strengthen believers and qualify them to help others, not disqualify them. We all know this to be true in our lives, right? It's the person that has suffered the most that often speaks most powerfully into our lives. It's the person whose parents got divorced when they were young that can empathetically serve other young people in the same situation. It's the mature single person in our community that is best qualified at this time to help other singles through the troubles that this season uniquely brings. And it's the person who has lost an unborn child that is best to stand with others that do And it's someone who has personally tragically lost a loved one that knows what it means to push into those awkward, silent spaces when others naturally find themselves retreating for fear of not knowing what to say. See, in the economy of God, it's our suffering that qualifies us, not disqualifies us from being used by God to comfort others and to strengthen others. And it's my prayer that God would raise an army of comforters and fortifiers and strengtheners in our city and beyond at this time. As we experience the comfort and strength of God coming to us, so may we also take that out to others. Like those people that you just thought about just now, you're going to comfort and strengthen them today. Now, bringing this into land today, I just want to say that like Paul seem to feel about the church in Corinth, I just want to say that I too am confident about you, church. Verse 7 says this, he says, We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. We are confident about you. God is going to bring us through this. It may not be easy. That's not what he promises. But he does promise that he will comfort and strengthen and fortify us. And it's my prayer today that we would look freshly to this God of comfort. And we would freshly experience his personal comforting and fortification in our lives. And then that we would not just bottle that up for ourselves. But that we would also take that comfort to those around us who need it most. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we've been able to remind ourselves of things that we should never forget. That yes, you you told us, you warned us in advance that in this life we would have trouble. But God, you have told us that you are the one who has gone through trouble so that you're able to identify with us and to bring comfort to us. This morning, God, we are so grateful for the truth of your word and how it fortifies us and strengthens us. And God, as as we go into this week and as we go into these ever-changing realities, we ask that we would go as those who've received comfort, but also seek to bring that comfort to those around us. God, won't you raise an army amongst us of people who will love and who will care and who will extend this great heavenly comfort beyond themselves 
so that you ultimately can be glorified. We love you. We enjoy your comfort. We welcome it now. And we also say, won't you empower us to this great task of bringing it to others? In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. We're going to close out today with a song that was written by Mandy, one of our, our musicians in the Bosch AM context. Uh, she's written a song. You may recognize some of the words. It's a, an African prayer, and it's a reminder of this comfort, the one who's watching over us, and, and it strengthens us. So please feel free as we close out today with this song, an opportunity to reflect and maybe respond to God. Maybe you want to pray some of your own prayers. Maybe you want to kind of participate and lean in and start to sing along as you get to know the words. Let's over to Mandy now.